Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. Welcome to Talk Between Yours on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. 
I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler. You know, gospel music has reflected the heart and soul of sprays and black churches. It is rich in tone, harmonious and moving. It has given expression and hope in the hours of desperation. When black lives do not seem to matter to a sector of society that exists in privilege, while relegating others to despair, gospel music has been an important institution and solace in many lives, especially black lives. Gospel music is worship music. Its harmony and joyous tones has bound African Americans to God in a way that is written upon their hearts, love, service, joy, and strength. Today I have as my guest Brooklyn's Duke of Gospel, James Hall, who is world-renowned in, in the genres of gospel. He is a singer, director, and composer who has worked with the likes of Gladys Knight, Mary J. Blige, Faith Evans, Michael Bolton, Harry Connick Jr., and Donnie McClurkin, among others. Mr. Hall is going to talk with us today about his choir, Worship and Praise, his background, his new CD entitled King, and other aspects of his life. He is with us now, or, uh uh-oh, it looks like he just dropped off, so hopefully he will call in in a second, call back in. But anyway, uh, when he does, I'm going to welcome him to the show, and I hope he calls in any moment. In the meantime, let me just play another song. Give you a snippet of what his uh, new CD, well, actually, it's not a CD, it's a single. Let me give you a little snippet until he returns of what his new, oh, he just returned, so I don't have to do that. Okay. Are you, are you back with us, Mr. Hall? Yes, I'm back. <laughs> okay. I don't know where the call well. dropped. Well, we want to welcome you. And uh, well, why don't we start off by giving you giving me a little bit of your background for our listeners? I know you're a New Yorker, and I believe you're Brooklyn born. And uh, yep. it was your mother that put the music in your soul. So tell me about yourself. Well, you you kind of gave the good foundation. I am definitely from Brooklyn, New York, and um, I'm definitely a New Yorker. I don't see me living anywhere else but New York. Um, uh, is there anywhere um, else? <laughs> is there anywhere else? Nah, I love New York too much. Everywhere else is too slow for me. I might could see L.A., but I'm in a New York state of mind, you know? I understand. Everything is new <laughs> in New York, at least one of everything. Yeah, you can find anything you want right here. But, um, yeah, I started classical training at the age of five. My mother saw that I had a gift, and she wanted to cultivate that gift. So I started with classical training at the age of five. And uh, I tell you, uh, my mom was definitely that one that pushed me to do the greatest I can do. And she found out that I had an ear for music. I'll never forget, we was in church, and the musician didn't show up. She said, go get on the piano. I was like, Ma, what? She said, you know how you pick up stuff in the house? And that's how I started playing in the church. And then 
I'm that church baby. I was in a children's choir. I was in Sunday school. And I just grew up loving gospel music. And well, when I got in high you know, you see, my story is very long, so that's, that was a very wide question. <laughs> no, no, right. I enjoy it. I love when people talk. Now, what I want to say to, to you in a way, uh, because you did you grow up in, in a rather poor neighborhood, uh, was it easy? It was did gospel save you? Was it your saving grace from getting involved in, in what a lot of kids did get involved with, which was the gangs well, and worse? Uh, not really. It was just my my upbringing. You know, my upbringing was, you know, church. You know, so I, I wouldn't say it was just the gospel. It was good teaching in the home. My mom was a sanctified woman. And though we may have grew up in the projects, I never wanted for nothing. You know, my mother made it happen for her children, and I'm grateful for that. My mother's teaching. My mother died. I was 12. So um, I could have went any which way after that. You know, I was right before teenage, but because my mother's teaching was so strong and the foundation she laid was so strong, I I was able to stand and make the right decision. And, you know, that's very important because sometimes – uh, people are told, oh, you know, you're poor. But they don't even know they're poor. They say, what do you mean? Because yeah, everything they actually ever needed, they had. That's right, and I'm I'm a witness to that. I mean, my mother, she worked two jobs. I mean, she did what she had to do, and, and we never wanted for anything. Exactly. Well, and sometimes you know, I think that's a good thing to learn, to learn uh, and, yeah. and other things that are more valuable than money. Yeah, a lot of people that's rich but are depressed. They're rich and they're killing themselves. <laughs> you know, you know when people that are poor are happy. Some people they don't may not have all that money, but they're happy. They're healthy because you can't buy health. I don't care how much money you have, you sick. You are just sick. But not only that, you're taught responsibility because you have to get out there and do something for yourself. You better know you it. That's inspire. right. Right. That's so true. I think sometimes so. when you have too much, you're crippled. Most definitely. Most definitely. So let me ask you, well, your music was described as, as a 21st century antidote for church traditional transcended. Does that mean your music goes as traditional? Yes, most definitely. And I grew up in a traditional church. I grew up in a Baptist, traditional Baptist church. But we had a lot of fire in my church. And then when I when my mom died, I started going to the Institution of Church of God in Christ where I got more fire. But it was so much inspiration around me, so much different styles of music. Like I said, I had classical training. My father was a jazz fanatic, so I listened to jazz mm. all my life growing up. And you hear all those things in my music, but it kind of could be a little edgy, my music, you know, I've, I've been told that my music is eclectic, you know, because it's a little different, but at the end of the day, it's gospel music, the message is still there. Oh, absolutely, and I want to tell the listeners that I opened the show with your song, What's He Done For Me, is that, is that what the group? Yes, that was our you went way back. You didn't. You didn't even do the new version. We did that again on the trip down memory lane CD. That was our first CD, uh, God is the Control CD, 
um, that came out in 1994. So, um, yeah, you pulled out a real classic. I was listening to it when you was playing. I was like, wow, I haven't heard this version <laughs> in so long. Well, yeah, I liked that it because was... it was rocking. It was rocking. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was that was our first CD. First and tape. I wanted to show <laughs> the difference between. I'm going to play when I end the show. I'm going to play King. Okay. So I wanted to show the comparison of where you were to where you are. Most definitely. And I feel like any artist you should have from the years of working and doing what you do. There should always be growth and some kind of change. You can't stay exactly the same. But there should be a signature that people will know, oh, that's James Hall. You know what I'm saying? Well, what it says, at least from I listened to several of, of your different uh, music, I mean, and you are you, you are that. You are continually, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say experimenting, but expanding. On your music. <laughs> yeah, we do experiments too. <laughs> we do experiments and, too. And, and I like it because it, it, you know, it's not just traditional. There's some of that there, but there's also yeah, I, almost like a little R and B in there too. Yeah, we did. We try. I try to like hit every area, every CD. I try to make sure I try to get something for the older, the young, the you know, the people that are really musical. I want to like have something on the CD for everybody. Well, I read that you were the first gospel group to record live at Lincoln Center. How did that come about? You know, really, I don't remember how we got that connect to get into Lincoln Center, but I mean, that was like one of the greatest moments ever, Uh, especially being groundbreaking that no one else recording there, so I was the first, and I don't actually think that anyone did one after me uh, that I know, but I know we definitely was the first one. They told us that themselves, like, wow, we never had a gospel recording yet, but it was really amazing to do that recording, really. Well, that is such a huge haul. How was the acoustics? Oh, what? They have the best acoustics, because they have shows there all the time all the jazz and all the operas they have there. I mean, the acoustics are the best. They were the best. Well, you must have really been overjoyed. Oh, I was. And then the fact that when those curtains opened up, you know, they, well, they had, we had already heard that it was sold out. So that was a blessing in itself. Oh, my Because, you know, of course, it was a little you know, nervous, like, well, what if we don't sell out? But the place had sold out like a few hours before. So to, when that stage curtain opened and we saw, you know, all those people, it was really like, wow. And that was like what our were you in? four. Excuse me? What, what hall were you in at Lincoln Center? Alice Tully Hall. Wow. That's, yeah. Doesn't that have a huge seating capacity? Yeah. It's not the largest, it's not the largest, but they have one that's bigger than that. But it's it's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. Wow, pretty big. it sold out. Yep. Before you know, the and, show. And, wow. Well, you gospel music. People are saying that it's had a a rebirth, or it, it it's become very popular in recent years. Would you say that's true, or it's always been very popular? Um, I think. You know, uh, that's a uh, a hard question to ask. 
I think gospel music always has had its place. I would feel that it was more popular before than it is now because Mm. we had more presence back in the day, like even on the award shows. Uh, You know, if you go back to the Grammys, the gospel had a whole segment on the Grammys back in the day. Now we don't get anything. We get like a (laughs) – they give you like a little post on on the screen on who won for gospel in the Grammys now. You don't get an actual taping of the of gospel. Same thing on I think the like America. All the all the shows now that have gospel is like the segment is like the smallest segment. If there is a segment, that's so sad. We were doing. I think we were doing better back in the day. Now I think everybody knows about gospel, but you know, and I'm going to be you know a little open here. I think everybody knows about gospel, but it's not the it's not the traditional gospel. It's not really the gospel that is really proclaiming Jesus Christ. It's well, I, you know, they, it's, it's that gospel that you can't tell. It's more inspirational. <laughs> That's what is being like really promoted. If you if you want to go with the popularity of it. The gospel that's being promoted is inspirational, something that people could say, oh, that song was, you know, that's a good song, or that song made me feel good. It's not really a song that talks about Jesus. Yeah, you know, I never really thought about that. I guess they're trying to go with with the times that people are, you know, I don't know, they're moving away from, from, would you say a lot of people are moving away from traditional uh, religion? Yeah, most definitely. And I understand that because religion is not going to save you. It's Jesus Christ. It's not so much about the religion, but I think we're getting away from the message. Because gospel is good news. I, I, I say this on all my interviews. We we kind of call some things gospel that's not really gospel. Because gospel is supposed to be the good news that Jesus saves. And if, if your gospel song does not encouragement, lifting, healing, draws you closer to Christ, and it's not doing its job. Because that's what gospel music, and and when somebody gets in trouble and they put on gospel, it's supposed to be able to lift them, not just make them feel good, you know, because of the beat or the sound of it. It should be a message in it that makes you want to, to worship the Lord. Exactly, and in a way, I look at, and this is my own take, I look at gospel as a thank you to God. Yeah, it's more definitely. of direct directed to God to say, uh, we worship you, praise you, and we thank Most you. Definitely. At least that's how I see it. And, and, and you're right. You're right. So, I mean, the popular gospel that, that you know, that, that may get on the stage is not really, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go through some lyrics that I hear that I'd be like, okay, that has nothing to do with Christ, <laughs> you know? So, but I, I'm grateful I that gospel still has a sound, and it will always have a sound because when people get in trouble, they want to hit, they want to put on something that's going to help them, help them come out of that trouble. Well, connect to their spiritual self. Yes. 
Well, let me, and start, speaking of that, you sing, you direct, and you compose. You're like the captain uh-huh. of your own ship. Is that, is that, that's a lot of responsibility, though. Yeah. How, how are you uh, supporting, holding up? Well, you know, I've been doing it all my life now. So it's like, what I do? <laughs> you know, I direct, I play, I write, you know. So God gave me these gifts, and, and he uses me through them. And when you have a gift, if you don't exercise it, it will get become weak. So you have to exercise any gift that God has given you, exercise it, and, and he'll make ways do your gift for you. I agree. In fact, you have to recognize that you have the gift. A lot of people go through life not even recognizing their potential that they, or even know what their gift is. So when you do, I think that that is really honoring the divine. Right. You have Tell to. Tell me about. Uh, I agree. You have to use the gifts you're given and recognize them. Yep. Now, is your style, does it come natural, or, or did you have to develop it over time? My style of music? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think over time it's grown into its own because I was inspired by, you know, so many um, gospel greats. But it has my my sound, I think, it, you know, everything has to be cultivated. And, like, down through the years, the more I did it, the more it came into a sound of its own. And um, now, you know, it's second. Whatever you know, if I write something, it's just, it can't help all grab stuff of my inspiration that's inside of me. That makes sense. We, you yeah. know, gospel music hit some very high octaves. And uh, I interviewed uh, Donnie McClurkin, who was having problems with his voice, getting strained. Uh, does that affect you sometimes? Uh, do you always have, do you have to be cognizant of your uh, throat and not to strain it? Yeah, well, hello? Yes. Okay, you know, I kept hearing about. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, you know, anything that uh, that you use, any gift that God has given you, whether it's things to play, you have to protect it, mm. you know. So if you don't protect it, you know, anything could happen. It's like an investment, you know. My voice is is like is like an investment. So you know, I can't, you know. Sometimes I, it, it, of course, I get forced because we're human. But it ain't always up to par. It ain't always the greatest. But the other thing that comes along with the gift is the anointing. When God anoints you, even if you don't have the best of voice. When he anoints you and uses you, is is as if you know you, you know people you come out you be like well I was horrible tonight and then people come in and be like oh my god no you were excellent oh my god you really was you know you'd be like huh but that was the anointing that was the anointing that made the difference. I agree. Now let's talk about your your choir uh, worship and praise. How how did you select each member and. How did you come to establish your choir? Well, you know, Worship and Praise is now 28 years old. <laughs> so when we started, we were kids. You know, we started in high school, high school choir. And um, when I graduated, we wanted to keep it going. 
so we was like, um, we don't. We wanted to. We enjoyed, you know, singing, and we had fun with singing. And what happened was, we started Western praise out of a few friends. We, you know, you know, few of the friends that wanted to stay together and keep it going. And I invited some of my singing friends from my church. But it was just like fun. It was fun in the beginning. It was just a bunch of kids that wanted to sing. But as we started singing, I mean, God started changing the lives of people that were in the choir. And people mm-hmm. started going, people that were going to school with me started going to church with me and wanted to be saved. And then a year later, uh, Dr. Kevin Bond came on the scene as our prayer chaplain. We started doing prayers. And then we, I mean, that's when I started realizing, no, this is not just no fun and game. This is really a ministry that God had predestined for us. Tell me, um, how how did you get your big break as a group? Or group? Well, we started, you know, we were singing, singing for about, i say about five years, five, six years. And then someone came to a concert we was at and was like, oh, they wanted to record us. And we was like, we didn't know anything about them. We was just excited. We was like, sure. So they did the recording, and no one was able to get the recording. You know, the recording was like in a corner store, like right here in Brooklyn, on cassette. And it was like nobody was able to get their hands on it. We did the Gospel Bobby Jones show. And I'll never forget, that was, I don't remember what year it was. I guess it was like probably 94. A ninety-five, and when we came on that stage and we some God is in control, it was like the world was like, wait a minute, who is James Hall in worship? And that was like our big opening. And then once that happened, a major label came and signed us and put our project out again. God, God, God is control out worldwide, and that that was like our big break. Well, what was your first, uh, who was your first label or who, at least who was the major uh, record label that put out your first Interfound hit? Sound Records. James, it was a man by the name of James Ballard who heard us at the Bobby Jones show, looked us up and said, you know, we want to get that record that you did and we want to put it out worldwide. That was like the door that God had opened for us. What was the name of your first hit? God is in control. God is in control? Yes. Wow. Well. And that's still my signature song. People still need that. Excuse me? You started your Um, own record label. Tell me about that. um, You know, I've been on major labels for so many years, and I was like, you know, once I, you know, being a part of the business for so long, I learned the business, and um, the label that I was on, the last label that I was on, had went bankrupt, and we were in the middle of doing a recording, so we wanted to, you know, I didn't, I couldn't get a deal. It seemed like I couldn't get a deal, and I just decided to step out on faith and start my own label. And it's been, a, I mean, I haven't signed any artists yet. I, I just did my church choir, The Voices of Citadel. A lot of people heard of them. We put out two projects with The Voices of Citadel and Worship and Praise. And I'll, I believe in maybe like a few years I'm going to start signing people to become even more major. 
Well, tell me, well, we finally got to it, so tell me about your new recording, King, that's going to come out on October 30th. I understand it's, yes. a, it's a new era of your music. Tell me about it. Yes. Well, this will be project number eight for James Hall and Worship and Praise, and uh, it's, it's really a compilation of all new material. And uh, my last project before that was Trip Down Memory Lane, which is like a throwback of the classics, and we kind of like did them over and updated them. But this project is all new material, and the title of the CD is WAP, New Era. And a lot of people want to know what WAP is, for those that didn't catch on. <laughs> WAP is Worship and Praise. So James Hall, WAP, new music. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying it's been over like 10 years since I put out new music. So we've been singing over two decades now. So it's definitely a new era. You know, a lot of people that started out with Worship and Praise done retired. And, you know, they're not singing anymore. So there's a lot of new faces. I still have some of the old faces, but a lot of new faces. And one of the greatest changes that came about with this project was my musical partner, Melvin Pispell, who worked with me on all of my projects in the past, passed away over a year ago. And um, so this is the first project that he was not a part of. And um, God allowed me to connect with a new co-producer, Troy, Chambers and the collaboration is just amazing. So it has it definitely is a different twist in this CD having a new co producer. It, 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 is that Zeke? Is it Zeke? No, Zeke, Zeke wrote Zeke Listenby wrote King. He's one of the right. Uh, he's okay. actually wrote. He got two songs on the CD. Oh, okay. So, um, he's one of the writers, dynamic writer. I saw one of the uh, songwriters was Marlo Hall. Is he related to you, or just coincidence? Yeah, that's Hall. my little that's my little brother, and he wrote oh, cool. this song. Out of the spot, he was inspired by me to write the song, and um, he wrote it a few years ago. And he had a group that was going around singing, singing it, and I was like, "Wow, it's really a great song." And he, you know, he decided that he he wasn't going to do anything with it, and so I said, "Well, I'm going to record your song," and of course. He ain't gonna turn that down. <laughs> no. And and uh and it's an awesome song. I mean, it definitely is a James Paul Worship of Praise song. Play it at the end of the show so people can also enjoy it. Now I heard you were nominated for two stellar awards. Uh what what was that like when, when you got the nomination? And have you ever won a Grammy or is that gonna be no, your eighty? Well, actually, we were nominated for way more than two stellar awards. We have been nominated, like, so many times for the stellar awards, but we haven't won. But uh, yeah, it's always a blessing. Yes, right. We haven't won, but we've been nominated, oh, man, I guess maybe about 12 times, at least 12 times. And um, I, I, I'm always excited about it because it's a recognition, you know, the fact that they recognize my music and and you know, nominate us for it. I mean, I think it's awesome. So, I mean, oh, I'm grateful for that. And we also, with Trip Down Memory Lane, my last CD, we made the first round of the Grammys. So, and let me know. Nice. We're moving forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. another thing that I was thinking about, that since uh, the music is always God-inspired and 
joyous. Sometimes when you're writing and producing, do you actually feel the presence of God with you? Most definitely. Oh, yes. I mean, I tell people all the time, if it don't bless you first, how do you look for it to bless anybody else? And a lot of times, I music, because it's not really me. I, I tell people, you know, God has given me the gift, and I like stuff. And when it's finished and, and done, I'll be like, wow, who wrote that? <laughs> you know, because I can't even believe that I came up with something like that. So I know it's definitely God. Mm-hmm. It's not even me. I believe that, too, because sometimes when I'm writing, I almost hear the music. I'm writing, it feels like a, a poetry almost when I'm writing. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's and and I know right. that. And oh. God gives you, he sends you inspiration to do something. And it's like, when it, when it's all said and done, you'd be like, wow. It's like a masterpiece. But yeah, those it, are the has, beautiful it has nothing to do with me. Now, um, we're getting close to the end of the show, so I want to ask you, uh, where could interested parties uh, purchase a single once it's out October 30th, folks? Yes, October 30th. Now, mind you, you don't have to wait to October 30th. <laughs> you can pre-order it right now on iTunes and Amazon. So if you go to iTunes, just type in, Worship and Praise, or WAP, New Era, you can pre-order it, and you can get it delivered by Amazon to your house. You'll have it on October 30th. Fantastic. So you said yeah. iTunes, and what was the, and Amazon, and, and where else? Well, you know, all the, uh, what do they call the uh, digital outlets, you know, Amazon, okay. iTunes, Rhapsody, all those, they should have it. On the thirtieth, but if you don't, but right now, if you want to pre-order it, you order it on iTunes and Amazon. Okay, folks, you heard what he said. Uh, if you're a gospel enthusiast and a fan of James Hall, then go out there and get his his latest uh, uh, project. Which yeah, is... and even if you're not a fan, go and get it. <laughs> Now I mentioned because uh, uh, your PR only mentioned to me about King, but what is the the name again of your CD? The name of the CD is Whack New Era. It has it's fifteen tracks. Is King is the single that's being played on the radio, but it's a lot of awesome songs on this project. It will bless. Trust me when I tell you, it will bless your life. Well, is 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 there a website or a venue that people who are interested in you can find out more about you? Most definitely. I'm on all the social medias. I'm on Facebook, James Hall. I have two pages on Facebook. And then uh, you can go to my fan page, Professor James Hall fan page, or you can hit me on Instagram, James Jazzy Hall, or on Twitter at James Jazzy Hall. And I work all my social media, so it's not like somebody else is working it. I'm working it. So if you hit me, you're definitely going to get me. And, uh, okay, since this is the last question, is there anything I haven't asked that you'd like to add? Um, no, I think you, we covered pretty good ground. I just want to, you know, uh, encourage you all to make sure you support gospel music because, uh, you know, the world supports it own. Um, so we need to support ours and make sure, you know, not just my music, but 
all the gospel music. That's, if it's a blessing to you, don't just uh, dub it from somebody or borrow somebody else's CD or burn it. Buy it and support gospel music because we have to keep the music going. And that's the only way we're going to keep it going is if you support it. You heard it here, folks. Well, the clock has wound down and the curtain is about to drop. So I want to thank <laughs> you so much, Mr. Hall, for gracing the show. Thank you for having me on the show. I had an awesome time. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy that you, you have. And I want to say to the listeners that this is the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. And my guest today has been gospel master extraordinaire, Jane Paul. <laughs> and I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler, thanking my audience for making my topic topically yours. And now we're going to end the show with James Hall and worship and praise performing his current CD, which is
You have been listening to the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Souls.